great show. Uh, you know, it seems like everything is surrounding um, COVID-19, but this is our life. Um, and today we're, we're going to have a great show and talk about something that's very uh, near and dear to our hearts. So again, thank you everyone for being here. Uh, as I always do, I'm just going to do a little premise of what this show is about. Our audience has been growing rapidly for the uh, 16 months that we've been on. And for the people that are on today for the first time, let me tell you what 62 Who Knew is all about. My father, when he turned 62, and his father, when he turned 62, all had the same questions. Have I saved enough money? Should the house be free and clear? Do I need life insurance? Do I need long-term care insurance? Should I have already bought it? Should I cancel my life insurance? Should I be investing in the stock market or annuities? Should I keep working? Should I take my social security or should I defer it to later years and get a higher check? Those questions and many, many more have been questions that people ask in their upper 50s right to that magic number of 62 because although not everyone is retiring at 62, most people are not in today's world, that's when retirement is heavy on all our minds. We've all got those same questions, our father, their father. But the truth of the matter is, my generation, I just turned 62, oh, about seven weeks ago, I had a look at the calendar. And my generation, people in their 50s right now, low 60s, they have one other hurdle. They have one obstacle that is not like our fathers and their fathers before them. And what is that obstacle? It is the mixed blessing, or if you wish, the double-edged sword of longer lifespans. Unbelievable that longer lifespans could cause issues, but they have. Scientific breakthroughs, medical advanced technologies over the last three decades have basically brought the majority of people who make it into their 60s into their 90s. That's incredible when you think about it. Who knew at 62 that you could still have 30 years left? Who knew at 62 that you could have half the time left that you've already been here? And the truth is, less than 1% of this great country has the financial capability to live 30 years through retirement with a high level and a high quality of life. And that's why we have this program. And I think that's why it's grown so rapidly and been accepted so much by the general public. Every week we endeavor to bring on different experts that deal in Medicare, Medicare supplemental policies, long-term care insurance, in-home care, which we're bringing on a national expert to, uh, today. Um, savings, vacations, health, uh, population, national real estate experts to talk about senior housing. It really doesn't stop. And of course, now COVID-19 has given us all a common thread and how that has uh, changed our lives. But that's what 62 Who Knew is about, to help you, our ever-growing audience, go from 62 to 90 or 95 with a high quality of life. So welcome to my uh, viewers that have been growing with us and welcome to any new viewers. But without further ado, this is one of our favorite guests. Um, he has been with us several times before. We haven't had him in a few months, but I'm sure he has been busy. And as the regional director of 
home instead, the home instead in-home care, the largest non-medical in-home care in the United States of America. I am absolutely sure his last five months has been more chaotic than mine, and mine's been pretty chaotic. So welcome back, Mr. Colin Castle, and we are so glad to have him. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm not hearing Colin right now. Oops, not hearing you, Colin. This is how bad COVID-19 is. He, he's hearing me. I can not hear him. That's interesting. I was hearing him before. Colin, you're hearing me, aren't you? Do you know sign language? <laughs> that, I know one other sign, but the viewers wouldn't like it. <laughs> How's that? Is that working? That is All better. Right. Now we have them. So I get for being trying to be smart in my uh, my my IT side. I mean, I tried to put you on the speaker so I could hear you better in stereo instead of mono. And that's okay. Turned off my mic, so now I got to hear you in mono and probably talk in mono too. We got you. So that's all that counts. So first and foremost, before we talk about COVID nineteen and in home care, how are you, your wife, your wonderful children doing? This has been rough. This has been. Rough, and you have a lot of children. You're not the average 2.3 children people. No, we, uh, <clears throat> my wife and I uh, have a little bit more than the average 2.3. Might be doubled that, if not maybe even triple. Triple, and, yeah. <laughs> so I'd have to say our, our experience is uh, we've we've experienced it all from uh, attempting to run a business during during the COVID and the shutdown uh, to homeschooling, as well for um, you know our 13 year old. Um, our two uh, small ones uh, that are in uh, first or kindergarten and first grade. Uh, luckily, uh, we were essential workers, so our two small ones could go to daycare. Uh, and then we transition into, you know, summer months and trying to find, you know, camps that are open instead of having all four kids at home at one time. And that's just the littles, the four under the age of six at home at one time versus the 13 year old. Uh, and yeah. then we started back to school. So yeah, it's been a, it's been say the least an interesting, uh, what five months now. Yeah, it really has. It's it's unbe Who would have who would have thought in the beginning of 2020, life is good, rates are low, houses are selling, Wall Street's made a comeback. We knew we were in for a maniac presidential election because they're all maniac presidential elections the last 20 years. Um, but who would have thought? Three months later, we'd be walking around with masks and literally closing down, you know, the most vigorous capitalistic system known to mankind. And that's what we did. We literally closed it down. We did. We did. And here, you know, we all are being here in Central Florida. We're very hospitality-driven, service-driven industry here in Florida. Um, so I, I know of a number of folks that are, are hit pretty hard. By, yeah. by this and you know especially in the restaurant and service industry it's it's tough for you know some folks that i've known and have grown up with that uh, that's all they've known and all they've done carved out a good life for them but you know now that their main lifeblood is uh you know really yes. gone at least the foreseeable future it's tough so i, I yeah. do feel for them 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I went three months without seeing my grandchildren. We FaceTimed. Yeah, you know, they were all local. And I'm used to seeing them three, four, five times a week. At the end of three months, you know, I just said, I you know, I have some risk factors. You know, um, you know, my heart's fine. I need a body transplant. I got, I got some real risk factors here. Um, but without going into them, after three months, I said, you know what? I'll wear a mask, but I got to give my grandkids a hug. And I know a lot of people felt like that. And the doctor said I shouldn't, but I did. And to this day, I'm visiting my daughter's house, who is very, very careful. You know, um, and uh, but I can't not see my grandchildren after three months. It was driving me crazy. It really was. And uh, but let's talk about um, some real stuff here. First, let's sure. talk about how many of your great people, your healthcare providers, your people that go into homes, um, mm -hmm. were how were they affected when when this all first started? Did a percentage of them? say, look, I don't think I can go into pe older people's houses, or did you have some company policy on that? How did you treat it at home instead? Well, you know, lo locally here in, in our neck of the woods, you know, we we had a, a pretty good, you know, number of people just were scared. So, we, you know, mm -hmm. we had a, I'd probably say a good, you know, one out of six decided to take a leave of absence initially, just, uh, you know, either they had a spouse that might be, you know, immune compromised or themselves immune compromised, or when the school shut down, um, that they, you know, had um, children at home and they couldn't work. Um, but that lasted for, you know, a general period, of t a short period of time, and then, you know, people started to want to go back to work. Because again, our business is very personal. It isn't yeah. just a job. You know, people realize that if they don't see their senior, you know, there's there's life events that aren't occurring. Um, and we can get into great detail, but if most people can understand the major body functions, you know, eating and, and others, those all still occur. And a lot of folks are, are very personal and they want to make sure that their, their senior that they've cared for for be it just a week or years is, is well taken care of. So, you know, they, they came back um, and we've had to put together some, you know, you know, fit for duty type tests, like a lot of folks do. And we've had to change our, our precautions and, you know, lock down the building uh, and really take a lot of precautions. But, you know, we, we dipped a little bit the first month, but we've rebounded up from that, especially as unfortunately, you know, the COVID situation around the, the facilities uh, here locally, um, you know, really took a, a big turn uh, when we had a few facilities have a large population of, of positive cases. And then ultimately, you know, they ended in, in death as well. So that, you know, unfortunately put Florida, not like we need any extra reasons to be on the headline, uh, put us back in the headlines again, you know, for things like that. So uh, it's been a, it's been a roller coaster ride, to say the least, with that. Did many of your people, your associates ever test positive or did any have a rough, rough time or God forbid, did any die? Um, we did have we did have one caregiver that it was a great person, well, heart in the right place. She took care of folks at her church. She had a lot of individuals she took care of outside of our, our world um, that ended up did contracting it and, and passed away um, from it. So you know, she's going to be, she, outside of being an employee of ours, she'll be solely missed at, at her church and her community level. She was just that, that type of person that did just gave the shirt off her back for anybody. Um, 
other th other than that, not to diminish that huge issue right there, is we had a few people that just did some self quarantine because um, either a, a family member tested positive and they had to self quarantine, or they were exposed, uh, be it at a facility or another job that they had to self quarantine, um, or a client of ours, uh, you know, turned to be positive and they had to self quarantine. So we had a little bit of a you know balancing act of some roller coaster rides with those. But again, we didn't really have anyone uh, of those cases turn, you know, positive and end anything, you know, too terrible. You know, one is enough in my book. One was too many to begin with. Now that's that's on the employee side. Um, now, how about on your client side? Did your great people, um, you know, have to see more pain and suffering than they normally do the last five months? Luckily, no, we didn't have um, any directly with us. Um, but, you know, we do take care of a lot of, uh, of seniors throughout our county area. Um, and, you know, they, they, they've had exposure to, uh, you know, the, the bad side of this disease um, elsewhere, um, be it in other uh, communities they work with or other home care agencies they may work with. Uh, you know, the hard part I think everyone realized in our industry is uh, you know, as much as I would love to have, you know, a, a block of caregivers that just work for us and only have one client, the reality is is, is this is a caregiver-driven industry. And, you know, caregivers sort of pick and choose, and they can work for two, three agencies plus a nursing home at times, uh, depending on the workload and, and shifts. So, they do unfortunately get a lot of exposure, good and bad, to COVID, but they also get exposure to what's going on out in the community as well. So luckily for us, client-wise, no one, you know, really contracted it and was sick um, or passed away. Um, but we did have a number of clients that just had to self-quarantine or went on hold just simply because they were going to self-isolate um, out of oh, abundance of precaution. Yeah. But at and some in this point, case, you definitely have to err on the side of caution. There's no doubt. Yeah. Unfortunately, on that one side of abundance of precaution turned into, you know, another issue. They weren't getting services they need. So then they had to have the, the balancing act of where do I start care again? Because I have to have it to win. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, and there's always that question, and I want to talk to you about this too, um, you know, should mom and dad go to the care facility? And, you know, a lot of times, you know, people think children are making that decision. But I know here in the reverse mortgage, my, my reverse mortgage world, sometimes it's not the children. Sometimes, in fact, I have to say most times, mom and dad are quite coherent, quite strong, and they make the damn decision. In fact, uh, I've actually had seniors say to me, why are you asking my children's opinion? I don't tell them where to live. Um, and I love that I, you know, from our seniors. But, you know, there always is that question, whether it's from the children or the actual senior, am I better off in the facility or am I better off at home with a little in-home care when I need it, checking my meds, checking my vitals, helping me shop? Do I need to be there? And I think that question is going to be asked a lot more seriously post-COVID-19 than right. ever before, because let's face it, those care facilities, and I know they all tried hard, 
they were incubators. They were little death prisons. I, God, I hate to say that because I know no one did that on purpose, but the great majority of deaths came inside care facilities. That, that gives me the chills. Yeah, it's, it's, and I know a number of administrators and I've talked to a number of them here locally. And you're right, they, they, they've tried, they, they've had, you know, a massive hurdle from funding to, you know, PP gear. We had a, a massive shortage here in Florida for a long time. If you weren't a hospital, you weren't getting it until, you know, a number of um, groups kind of helped out with it. But even then, when you got it, you know, you were paying, you know, $1.50 to $2 for a disposable mask. You know, if you wanted a KN95 mask, you know, the first batch we bought, you know, where we bought 2000 we paid $4.25 per mask. So that's, you know, almost four times its normal rate, you know. Shouldn't that have been against the law? Isn't that gouging? And you, some, some usury laws in there? Yeah, there should be some yeah. something, price gouging, something. But it is but it is what it is. That's who's supply and demand at the time. Uh, they couldn't get it, and to get it here was shipping and things of that nature. So that was a huge issue. So I know they, they had some challenges with it. But, you know, I think we also have to look at, you know, again, I can only speak for me, you know, here locally, is, you know, a lot of the nursing homes that we have are Medicaid nursing homes. So the reality for those individuals, they weren't going anywhere. I mean, unfortunately, they, I was, had no they just choice. had to batten down the hatches and go. Um, but we did see a pretty, what we what we did see for, for our perspective is we did have a, a large um, exodus of clients that did go to, you would go to the rehab, mm-hmm. rehab and went straight home with, with that. So they, they still got sick, they still hurt themselves, but instead of going to rehab and staying in the nursing home, they would actually you know come home faster and sooner with that. And then of course we did have a, you know, a small percentage of people uh, with wherewithal and ability to just simply take their mom and dad you know, right out of the care facility and back home. So I think it was a combination of, of all, but I, a number of folks have just weathered the storm, you know, mm-hmm. staying in the, the facilities. Because um, a lot of people, that's where they live. That's where they, they know. That's the, the people, their friends. So they've just weathered the storm in place, if you would, you know, want to say it that way. Yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, it's some storm to weather, let's face it. Um you know, for a while I was having a, I guess I'm giving a free plug here. Um, what is it? Deliver it? No, not deliver it. Um, anyway, I had a service bringing everything in from Publix. Um, you know, for a while um, we had, uh, you know, my son to this day and daughter, even though they don't live with me, um, would come over, sanitize every can, every everything. Um um it's just it's just amazing weathering it isn't easy um you know it this has been weird i mean i think it's having an effect on the country that people are going to see forever you know the lack of socialization um again i keep coming back to a morbid you know um unfortunately example but losing somebody and not being there to hold their hand I, I just, I can't fathom the seniors um, that went through that and didn't have people around them that they, that they loved. I, I just can't fathom it. There's been plenty, I mean, there's been story after story that I've been privy to. You know, I, I serve on a couple of associations 
throughout the state, and, and I get to hear a lot of uh, stories with it. And there's been a, a number of stories, not just not just deaths, but just the impact of this isolation is also having a huge impact, uh, mm-hmm. especially with Alzheimer's patients or dementia clients. You know, the people that are living in memory care. Um, you know, there there's there's a lot of worry that they, once they see their loved ones again, they won't know who they are. You know, so it's it's yeah. it's definitely been a scary it's a scary thing going on right now with not being able to see your loved one. Not just the death. I think there's there's as bad of outcomes as death is. You know, the fact that they they may think they've been abandoned. They they can't touch their loved one. They don't remember who their loved ones are anymore because they haven't visited them. I, it's a tragedy all the way around. With yeah. yeah, I mean, there's not. I, I, the only, you know, outside of our world, the only you know, not to have any lightheartedness, but the only positiveness with some of this is is this now embracement of the virtual. You know, where yes. you know, at least grandkids and other people are starting to to use some of the things. So. You know, in a in a glimmer of a way, I hope it helps people at least stay connected more often than they did yesterday. If you if you're looking for one silver lining, yeah, I hope then that. that's it. Um, yeah, and, and and truthfully, again, we want to stick mostly to the effects of human beings. You know, I try to do that on this show, but we are going to bring on some economic um, experts because the truth of the matter is, COVID nineteen is going to have an effect on this economy that makes 2000, this is my opinion, that makes 2008 through 2013 may seem like a picnic. First and foremost, hundreds of thousands of people, maybe millions, you know, got their moratorium on their three mortgage payments, yet there is no congressional rule or anything yet that says those three mortgage payments are going to go on the back of the mortgage. I don't know what's going to happen, quite frankly, if at the end of three, and I know some people with six-month moratoriums, if the mortgage lender goes, okay, you've enjoyed three months without your payment. Now this month's is due, plus the three that you owe us. Nine out of 10, 99 out of 100 Americans, even ones that make a great living, they can't make four mortgage payments at a time. What is this going to do to their credit? What is it going to do to life? Well, I, you know, and I can speak to that from our caregivers' side. Um, I don't think their income has been overly affected because um, we've had work, we've had, you know, clients to serve. Um, but, you know, their husbands may not have had a job or their significant others or their kids that are living with them. You know, so they've had other impacts that have had some pretty negative, you know, side effects to, to their not just them, but to their family unit as a whole as well. Um, you know, we, we don't know the impacts of healthcare that this is going to have. Um, you know, thankfully, I'm being told that, you know, our, ours as an employer, that we're going to be able to continue offering benefits. They're not going to be a major change to the benefits next year from a cost right. standpoint, which was a big, huge worry of mine. Um, but thankfully, that's not going to happen. Um, so there is there has been some economic, you know, things things that are occurring. Um, and here in Florida, you know, we, we there is a lot of people that are unemployed. And people are thinking they're going to potentially migrate to our industry or some other industry. Well, it hasn't happened yet. So 
there's a lot of folks here in Florida that are just unemployed, and I'm, I'm really not sure when they're going to get back in play. But for all you listening, we do hire, and we have plenty of work. So if you need a job, you can come get one. Um, but I do understand that, that it, it's tough. It's tough right now for everybody. Oh, and, and, and you bring up two excellent points that I'd like to go to separately. Number sure. one, we have a shortage of great healthcare people. Um, we've talked about that before. Um, it's not a lucrative paying job. It's a uh, morally high paying and rewarding job. Your people are like angels. I've had experience with them. Um, they're nothing short of angels. But is COVID-19 going to make people go, we need to do this, we need to help? Or is it going to go, I, I don't know if I want to go into people's houses, catch something that can infect my lungs and kill me. Is it going to hurt the future young person that says I want to be a healthcare worker? Or is it going to help them make the decision to do it? This is a rough one. I, I agree. I, I, you know, I would, I would say in, in the scheme of all health care, again, this is one person's opinion, I, I view what we do the least risky because we can, you know, from a, from a caregiver standpoint, we can wear PPE gear. Complete. We don't have to worry about transitioning from one, you know, hospital room to another room or one, one you know, room in a nursing home to another nursing home room. We don't have to worry. We just have to worry about once we enter the home <clears throat> that we protect ourselves while we're in the home. And then hopefully as well have the, the homeowner, you know, respectfully, hopefully they will, you know, abide as best they can um, mm -hmm. the social distances or their family while we're in the home and let us do our work and only get close when we have to. But when, then when we're done, we can shed that PP gear and protect ourselves as much as we can. So for me, I view in-home actually a little bit safer than, than other, you know, types of healthcare where you have to transition from one client or patient to the next, to the next, to the next um, or stars. Now you might see two or three clients, but you know, like we have some caregivers, they literally have a change of clothes. That's just their, their way of doing things. So they'll get you done with one client and they will have another set of scrubs. They'll change. They'll have a new set of PPE gear. Um, and they'll go through it. So we, we require all of our caregivers to wear at a minimum three things, gloves, mask, and goggles. You have them wearing goggles. Absolutely. We went, luckily we have, we started out with a face shield, but uh, you know, as soon as I was able to get my hands on inventory or like the 3M safety goggles that healthcare workers use, I, I bought a pair, a couple of pairs for every caregiver that we have. Um, to give away, if you know, if they if they want to need it, it's their choice. If they have something to wear already, glasses or other safety gear, or if they want to choose a full, you know, face shield, that's fine. But bottom line is, they had to wear all three of those to be in a client's home. It's been a little. It wasn't well received by all, but <laughs> it is what it is. You know, we have to be able to keep our caregivers safe as we can. Yeah, I don't know. An excuse to walk around with goggles. I almost think that would almost be fun. Did you give them fins by any chance? Because that, yeah, that might have made the senior a little happier when you walked into their house, just as they walked in with the fins. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, you know, and there's so much to ask you. Bottom line, there's no doubt in my mind that your people were greatly at risk, but most certainly less at risk than being in a hospital. 
there's just, I mean, on a, on a great day, a hospital, you know, is a Petri dish. You should get whatever's being, in my opinion, and I'm certainly not, you know, a medical person, I'm a layman. I want to, if I go to the hospital or people I love go to the hospital or care about, I think they should get whatever they're getting done and get the hell out as quick as possible. You get sick in hospitals. No insult to hospitals. Um, but I, I most certainly think that somebody, you know, that has been being careful like I have, been in quarantine, you know, your people are much safer. That being said, though, they were still at great risk walking into people's houses um, during the heart of this pandemic. And many people think there's still some bad stuff coming. Um, obviously, the death rate is down, you know, but the case rate, you know, is, is staggering. I mean, I remember when we passed 1,000 and politicians were going here in Florida a day. It'll never pass that. That's amazing. And then one day we passed 10,000. You know, do you think the worst is over? Because I am one of those people that are of the opinion, and today's just it's a coincidence, that all schools are opening today in Florida. I'm not sure if I had children. I do have children, but they're older. If I had school-going children, I don't think I'd be sending them. Yeah, What's it's, your case it's, on that, uh, since you have 27 children? I'm, I'm a stats guy at my heart. I'm a, I love statistics and things of that nature. Um, you know, one, I, I, I don't know if I trust the statistics plus or minus that are out there, good or bad, with things that are going on. Um, I, I, what I do know is I think we, we all should respect each other because, um, I, I, you know, I read, I read an obituary online that, you know, a widow was very bitter to the way people treated um, and, and didn't have as much self-respect for her husband's life as they do for their own rights to choose to wear a mask or not wear a mask. I'm a big... I'm a big liberty. I'm a big liberty guy. You know what you do is what you do. I respect that, but I do have to look at this and go: At what point in time is your life more important than than my liberty? Would my a slight inconvenience for me right. be okay to save your life? And and I think that's kind of what has shown through all this is um you know a little bit of concern for our humanity not to to look at it that way but i i'm glad i do i'm glad we do partake in the in the industry we do partake in because we get to see heart every day because i'm not sure if my attitude would be different if i wasn't in this industry because i do see you know a lot of disheartening things going on where people are choosing that, you know, their freedom or their point of view is more important than, than someone else's life at the end of the day. And that's kind of disheartening in a lot of ways, but I'm, I am glad I get to see our caregivers that strive to go out, everybody's caregivers, anybody that does this industry, any caregiver that does it, they go out every day to try to make sure their seniors are taken care of, and I commend them for that. Um, and we just try to do it in a safe manner and keep you know our caregivers and our clients safe as we can. It's just it, it's tough with all the 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 innuendos that you hear from the state, the statistics, the naysayers, or the over the toppers the other way that you know it's coming. Yeah. My my only issue is we go through flu season every year, 
and we get it. It's it's one of the things we have to manage to. You know, we have flu shots that come on site with it. That's my only concern because I know what a normal flu season looks like for us as an in, as an industry and a company, and it tends to be one of the tougher challenges that we face. Um, simply because you know it's 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 as good as the uh, the flu shot that year or the vaccine that year that comes out. Um, if not, we then we have a rat. You know, it runs its course. That's the only thing that concerns me coming this year is is right. will there be a merge between the two? And I know there's a bunch of opinions that out there. I'm going off of what my personal experience is with our company and our you know 200 plus kickers, 400 clients. What we see. And I and I know what well, we see. Any other things added on top of that, you know, it, it adds just to another stressful point of the year for us. No, there's uh, I agree with that totally. And, and I have I know people that you know, are, for all intents and purposes, they're they're quite intelligent people. And yet, uh, come on, it's just like the flu. It's no worse. Why are people acting like this? And Sometimes it's hard not to grab these people and go, are you kidding me? Um, and then, of course, they come back with, well, all the percentages are being skewed. You know, hospitals get more money. You know, that you hear this all the time. Hospitals get more money if they, you know, put down that somebody died from COVID. Um, I don't have doctors agreeing with that. No, I, 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 it's, it's, I'm not sure if that is... Um... An internet conspiracy, or if it's truth, or I mean, first and foremost, if, if the truth is, then the federal government is giving money to hospitals for every COVID death. It just skews my opinion even more of our our legislatures yes. out there if that's the case. Um, but I, I hope not. Uh, but it is one of those things that we have to you know shift through to figure out what's truth and what not. Yeah, the bottom line is there's something out there that that affects all of us in some way. And I can promise you the one caregiver that we had, she really didn't have a pre-existing condition. She didn't have underlying. This just debilitated her all the way to the point of having to go on a ventilator. And ultimately, you know, her lungs couldn't take that. And, you know, she ended up, you know, having no brain function after that. So it, it left with no alternative except to, to do the inevitable. So, Oh I look go, you know, from my own personal experience and what we saw, it, it doesn't matter. And I think that's the, I think that's what, you know, I, when I get into these heated discussions with folks, it, it doesn't matter. Again, if it only affects you mildly or it kills somebody else, what's the difference? It doesn't matter that's how right. it affects or doesn't affect. It, it affects. It, it doesn't matter. So just have common courtesy for your fellow man. Um, and in my case, our clients and our caregivers and everyone else, and just, you know, be courteous, you know, and, and wear a mask if you, if you can, if, if you can't social distance, you know, respect my bubbles, you know, my, or respect my space. Know, my son, my son has hula hoops just so he can teach boundaries. You know, respect my hula hoop. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm like you, I'm all for liberty. Um, I'd have no problem if there was a national or state mask law. Uh, other countries have done that, and it has, it has lowered the curve. It has lowered the cases. It, I, I don't get why we don't. I really don't. Um, 
you know, I'm not doing the ship it stuff from Publix anymore. I go into Publix, I do my shopping. Everyone has a mask on, I'd say for the last eight or nine weeks, you know, since the cases skyrocketed. But before that, if I walked in and saw a few people without a mask, I walked out and called ship it and had them deliver it. Um, I, I Sometimes you have to give up a little liberty to have a little respect for the person next to you. And I have no problem with that. And um, I guess, you know, I don't remember who said it, but, you know, in the worst of times, the best in people come out and the worst in people come out. And um, we're seeing a lot of best that I love. We really are. Um, but we're also seeing some things that we just shouldn't be seeing in this great country. Um, but that's life and, and life goes on. I agree with you. And it's, it's it's unfortunate that 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 we do, and um, you know, listen, we've been in, you know we're in healthcare, wearing a mask is part of it. I, I I don't get the 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 whole issue, you know, with with the mask. That's my personal. I respect it, you know other people's opinions. I don't you know try to, to judge or say anything to them. But you know, if our if if masks weren't, I gotta go back to the, the just the basic essence. If masks weren't beneficial. Then, then why does a surgeon have to wear a mask when they're operating? Exactly. So if that's not a big deal, then you know what? Let them go in and you know just just you know, allegrotten, you know, no, just no mask, no gloves. What the heck? You know. But yeah. I look at it and go, we're in healthcare. It's there's a there's provenness that you know sanitary conditions and sanitary things, your gloves, your masks, you know, the tools that the our surgeons use on us, they all need to be sanitary for a reason. So. I don't understand these things. I do think it's just an inconvenience for a lot of folks. And, and, you know, I don't have a tolerance for, for, for it. It's, I get it. It's an inconvenience, but it's an inconvenience for all of us. It is what it is. Um, I would like to see my kids grow up. I know you would probably like to see grandchildren, you know, around, around the corner. I think everybody needs to live life to its fullest because we only get one shot at it, at least this one. Um, yeah. So I think we all should have a fair shake at it versus, you know, being cut short because of, of you know. A selfish bastard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I see it as an inconvenience. I do not see it as affecting my liberties having to put on a mask. I just, I, I don't see it. And then, you know, we're going to have a couple of guests on in the next few weeks. You know, there's two very big variables here. Uh, one of our guests calls it, you know, well, I think, I think more than he uh, calls it, you know, the great mystery is the people that survived. And they survived well. Everything's okay. I got it. Had that burning feeling. Uh, you know, I had my temperature. I had a lot of people that I know. Fortunately, I'm not one of them because my lungs are most certainly compromised. Um, but be that as it may. There is this question mark, I'm being told by our great guests in the medical community, is what effect do the survivors have on their lungs and their heart in their 30s, in their 40s, that may not come out till their 60s and 70s? That I don't think anybody can even try to form a statistic on that. No, well, that's, I think that's kind of, you know, that's, that's trying to... to be a crystal ball of, of what this it, it, this is something that, that clearly makes us sick you know it's it's just like the flu but the flu's been you know every you know if it was easy 
the flu would be eradicated in my, you know, my mind. But, you know, every year they shoot for, you know, I, I think every year they try to go 50%, you know, coverage on the flu with the vaccine. You know, but the last right. few years it's been like, you know, you're lucky if you get 21 out of four coverage. So you've still got a better chance of getting it than a chance of not getting or limited getting it. So, I, you know, it, it's kind of hard for me just as a, as a common sense thing to think through something of this magnitude wouldn't have long-term effects because, you know, the flu and getting that has, you know, long-term, I won't say long-term effects, but it has effects on you. So I can't see something like this that attacks the, the body so violently in particular individuals would, would just magically go away. It, it just, it yeah. boggles my mind. I'm not a medical professional, not pretending to be just common sense. It, it I think that sometimes eludes the conversation, you know, regardless, even, even with on directly with COVID and us, it's keeping the, the hysteria down with this. Um, I, when me and people come to it and it's like, do we send somebody, this is what happened. You know, three people removed, had it, you know, tested positive. Do they need to quarantine? And it's like, it's just calm down and, you know, here's the common sense rules down oh. the pipe and just keep it, keep it concise, keep it simple. And if, it, if this, then we do this. If that's not the case, then do this. And you know what, if that's not the case. They go to work. You know, it's, right. it's, we have to be common sense about it. If not, we, the mass hysteria gets it. And trust me, my office has been mass hysteria at times, you know, with, you know, Someone tested positive over here and they came in contact with them for like a minute or two, or they might've been in contact with them. Should they self quarantine? And it's like, calm down. Let's just go through, tell me the scenario. Let's look at the, the, the rule book as best we know what it is today and make a decision going forward yeah. with it. Let the family know, let the caregiver know we make a decision minimum full PP gear at a, at a minimum, come in get tested. And we do testing. I mean, just to, throw that out there. We do, you know, we have uh, a testing program. It's not, it's a limited right now for certain caregivers that go into certain places. Um, That's great. There's a chance the state is considering mandatory testing for all healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, uh, that, that come in, con- in community-based healthcare, meaning us and others that go to the home um, or go to a community. So right now they have, uh, if you live in an assisted living facility or a nursing home, um, anyone that comes in healthcare related, including our group has to be tested every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So, um, they're moving that possibly to include anybody that comes in contact with a vulnerable, the vulnerable population. I take that as kids and seniors as well. Yeah. It's hard not for the public to overreact, you know, and this is, this could be a show in itself when no matter what station you turned on, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, left or right, it's panic. You know, if it's on the left, we're all gonna die, and maybe we need to turn down the, you know, shut down the country again, and you know, the hell with the mask, we should be in hazmat suits, and if it's on the, too far on the right, it's come on, it's just like the flu, we're overreacting, and both of them are as moronic as the other. So no matter what station you put on, the average person looking for information is getting that, ah, I don't know if there's a station. I happen to, you know, 
I think I told you this the last time you were on it. That was months ago. I've stopped watching all cable news. All cable news. I get my information from certain websites um, that I feel are logical. Uh, I've been fortunate enough because of this show to, you know, to have great connections with people like yourself, some incredible doctors, the Weizmann Institute in Israel. I listen to them because if I turn on Fox News, I'm going to hear it's been overblemished. It's a it's a hoax. It's just gonna it's just trying to get Trump not to be president. And if I turn on CNN, or not that I would ever turn on MSNBC, I think I've had it removed from uh, from my you know from my TV because just by accident, if I possibly get brain damage and turn on that station. But if I turn on CNN, which has got some good people, to hear another perspective, then we're not protecting ourselves, and life's going to end soon. I mean, if the sun doesn't explode and kill us, then the icebergs will kill us, and uh, if not, coronavirus will kill us. Um, it, how can the average person not be panicked when that's all they're force-fed from whatever they turn on TV? You know, it, 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 I'm an equal opportunity offender, so I, I listen yes. and suffer through all of those, even those ones that you don't, you know, you don't even have on your dial. Um, and and I try you listen to, to that one. Pick, that surprises me. And I pick and choose. No, I listen. I, li- I listen to. There's only certain people I can't truly stand on on some of those shows. Yeah, me too. And me too. And I'll say they're all. Most all of them are primetime folks. I can't stand. Um, yeah. There's a few on primetime I can uh, stand, um, but most of those are. I rotate around the people that I think are most newsworthy. But absolutely, I like. There's listen. I, I'm not going to call names, but there's people that are, there's people on Fox that had shows that were, you know, great. I think they, they shot straight. Same thing with CNN, same thing with MSNBC, BBC, C-SPAN. I'm an equal opportunity offender because truly the only way to get different perspectives is to seek out different perspectives. Because if you are looking just to have your perspective fulfilled, sure, that, that stay, can't be right. stay in your corner. Yeah. I you do know, like Fox BBC. Guy, you're is a, guy, yeah. you're you're going to get your fill of your corner. Yeah, but I'm getting, I have more trust in BBC right now than I do any American stations. They seem to give a better outside perspective. I happen to like NPR, but I, I read it on my phone or on my laptop. Um, I, I literally have not watched a cable news program. Oh, it's got to be two years. This is not COVID-19 related. I mean, I'm just getting old. I'm getting cranky. I remember Walter Cronkite. I remember real news people. They didn't give their opinion. They reported the news. And I I can't say that, uh, well, I can say, every news station that we have available right now to us has an agenda. They might as well just call it reality TV. Do they report some news every now and then by accident? But it's got to end with their corporate owners' agenda of what they feel the world's going to be. And, that, and, and there's, a, you know, there's a, a, an example or an exception, I should say, um, every now and then. But they'll get fired from any of those stations. I, to me, it, they all have agendas now. I mean, you know, bring back you know, Walter Cronkite and David Brinkley. I'm getting old, aren't I? 
No, you're, you definitely have officially aged yourself there. Uh, yeah, I know. Mike. Well, even I, even I, look at late I, night I, TV, I, which I, I don't watch. I'd rather watch a a repeat of NCIS. I mean, you compared some of these people, you know, that are at eleven thirty at night, and they're young and they're brilliant comedians. You got to give them that. But yes. compared well, to Johnny Carson, they're they're, inter they're entertainers. You yeah. know, people drive the yeah. news cycle. I, I look at it as is you know, for us, I want to. I need to see things. And you're right. I search out you know, other alternative news sources, because, you know, I am looking for things that affect our industry, things that are affecting our workforce, things that might affect our clientele. You know, those are the things I'm trying to stay ahead of and, and be aware of um, legislation that's going to pass things of that nature. And yeah, it is, it is for people like myself that, that are trying to stay ahead of the curve um, when it comes to, you know, legislation or newsworthiness for, you know, my caregivers, or my clientele, it is tough that you have to go search for that in yeah. in the in the mainstream media. They're right there, but you actually have to search for those stories versus them, you know, Isn't that amazing? Coming, coming to you in a in a, what I would consider a normal, you know, way. But now everything is such a, a hyperactive news cycle with yeah. it, and that's even with our folks. I mean, I, you know, you talk about you know, our industry, not to, you know, we as we go off on a tangent, but it really isn't a tangent because a lot of the the hypersensitivity to COVID, it, it, we see it, you know, in, in our world because we have a protect, you know, most of our seniors are over the age of 65. So all of our clients are fall in the, in the category of you're the bad category, you know, to get it. You don't want to get it, you know, and then, you know, our caregivers, Ours aren't too bad. Our middle, our median age is in the late 40s, so it's not too bad. But we do have millennia um, that work for us, and we have you know uh, Gen Xers, Gen Yers, things of that nature, um, people in all generations. So they, they worry that they're going to be working in nursing homes or other people's homes and come to their home. So I do. The, the we do see the mass hysteria entering our world, and it is served up by the just the hypersensitivity to this subject. And that's when I get, I get quite frustrated because it's just, I got to get everybody back down to just, you know, let's take some common sense approach. Yeah. Keep you know, we, we, we have, we have a business to run. You need income, you know, care. The clients need care. You know, we just need to come together with a common sense approach because we, we just need to be cautious on all parts. And a lot of our care, we can be cautious. Um, other parts, we need to go above and beyond. Sometimes, you know, if you have to give someone a shower, you have to get in close contact, great. Have another set of clothes. Have another set of PPE gear. Do what you have to do. Get out. Change. You know, come come back and then back to social distancing. There's yeah. there's a safe – try to be as safe as you can, but with the mass hysteria that does go on, you know, the world is falling on one side and there's nothing wrong on the other side. Yeah. Reality is, is some is in between is that we have to deal with it. So, um, yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough managing, you know, little my little world in healthcare. Let alone what my colleagues in a nursing home or an ALF is doing, or you know, a COVID unit. You know that I have friends that are nurses right. on. Uh, yes, I'm lucky that I have my little world, and it's crazy. I, I can mm -hmm. only imagine what their worlds are like. Exactly. Well, you know, I'm going to ask you a question now, and I, and I know you, you have to answer to a degree, 
as a healthcare person because of what you do for a living. But I am asking you more grandfather to father. I have had some great medical people that I know personally um, who have school-aged children. These are friends, personal doctors, associates. None of them are sending their children back to school. None of them. And I'd say I could, in my little world, probably talking eight or ten friends that are either um, physician assistants, registered nurses, doctors. Um, many of them, several of them have said to me, Michael, make no mistake about it, opening up the schools is nothing but a big social experiment. We're going to see what happens. Um, what do you think about schools opening up? You know, my, my personal opinion, you know, not represent, you know, just Colin Castle's opinion is it's, it's tough. You know, I, I'm not going to be very forthright. My wife and I are lucky that we, we send our, our kids to, you know, private school with it that have a cap the capabilities to institute some good precautions and parameters, mm -hmm. um, but also have my best friend advocate advocates for reading literacy inside of Pinellas County schools uh, at a mm -hmm. very high level because, you know, him and I, our friend group grew up in Pinellas County and we, we know the, the, the differences between education gaps, between social economic, you know, places in Pinellas County. And my, my buddy, advocates for reading he's an avid reader and he believes that's a a path out of some of the the the, the areas that our folks you know grow up in Absolutely. and live in Absolutely. and uh, and i can and the, the sad though is, is i don't believe our school systems our public school systems are are built and capable of of doing this at a at a level they should it's not it's not it's not their fault i don't they're only working with the tools that yeah. they have and availability that they have. So yeah. if, if, if people do go back to school, um, I, I, I am expecting, you know, there's going to be some ramifications to it. Um, but my, my overall opinion is if they cannot do it safely, if they cannot do it to the best of their ability, then they shouldn't do it at all. Um, and, you know, kids are gonna be kids. So if you, if you have to factor in that kids are gonna be kids, and by definition, they're not going to follow the rules. I didn't. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you didn't. Uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, some kids aren't going to do it. It's just, that's just the nature of the beast. Not all kids are bad. Not all kids are going to, you know, not listen. But they have to factor that in. And if they're not factoring that in, then it is, it, it is a, to your point, a social experiment. They may get lucky and, you know, hey, Pinellas County in Florida, if you look at Pinellas County, our infection rate is very low compared yeah. to other areas. Why? I don't know. I have no earthly clue why. But for some reason we are. But if you look in other areas, even less populated areas, they have a much higher, at least at least according to the data, they have a much mm -hmm. higher, you know, uh, positivity rate with it. So I, I just look at it and go, I'm not sure I would open up schools or not. It's a mm -hmm. it's a highly volatile conversation. Mine would be just on the simple fact of, 
can I do it safely? And if I couldn't do it safely as a superintendent, I'm not sure I could, I could, I could yeah. look at my staff or, I mean, I look at it no different than me. If I, if I have a, if I can't send my caregivers into a home or facility and, and keep them safe as I have a duty to do with it, then how can I, I send them in there? I can't, I shouldn't. I look at this the same way. I have teachers. I shouldn't send my teachers into a situation that they're ill, you know, trained, ill-advised, no support potentially to, to handle the situation. So I don't envy anyone making those decisions. I sympathize with them, but I would just go on. I would go off the fact that if they can't do it, don't do it. And yeah, and, you know, there's also economic Sorry. concerns and certain people, and these are certain people on both sides of the aisle. You know, you got to put life first. You got to put life first. You got to put health first. And, and that makes so much sense. And in your heart, you want to always do that. But what about the mom and dads that need to go to work to yeah. pay rent, to put food on the table? You have to have the respect for those people to give them some options. And sometimes I forget, I, I, say, I should say, sometimes I think people forget there are, that's the, the, the bulk of our country mom and dad going to work and if they're lucky enough to still have a job you know after these last five months they may not be able to sit home with the kids and quite frankly they may not be able to afford child care um there's a lot of the country like that and we got to give those people an opportunity i'm okay with opening the schools i wouldn't send my children um i'm talking to some people that say they already know that the class is going to have nine people like it has 22 people virtual online and nine people in school. I'm okay with nine people. They can sit six feet apart. But I'm talking to parents who are going, yeah, the school said there's 29 people in the class. Where's the social distancing? So I have a problem with that, but I think they have to try. Well, they should do both. My, my, if, again, if you, put, if you put me on the spot, I would absolutely open up both in class and virtual and i would treat them equally and the same and but same thing with parents if you go virtual I'm, I'm treating your kid the same way as if the kid was in classroom and you know if he doesn't do his homework she doesn't do his homework it's the same grade as the, the kid in there so I, I don't i i you know i am that type of you know want to have that type of consistency but i do think they should open up both because of the parents that can stay home and they want to stay home and they feel obligated to keep their kids safe they should have every right to do so, just right. as just as the parents that really don't have a choice. They do have jobs. That's right. And trust me, I get that more than most. Most of our caregivers have families. They have yeah. kids that know the need to go to school so mom or dad can go to work. I get it. But they should have also that opportunity to, to choose their path as well. I don't agree with just all one or all of both because it's not it does not fit. It's not a one-size-fit-all problem. No, it definitely isn't. And I hope they're not stubborn about this. Or, I mean, every, politics is in everything. But, my God, if I hope in the next two, three weeks, if the curve stays flat, you know, if there's any positive whatsoever, you know, we keep on. But if cases start to increase again, um, they better close those damn schools because it's not going to be a coincidence. Um, even, even the conspiracy people... You know, it's going to be rough. I'm just glad I've been in an industry that, that, that you know, leads with their heart you know, versus, versus a lot of other options. 
So, you know, my wife and I are quite lucky that, you know, a lot of our decisions are, are, are driven by protecting our caregivers and giving our clients the, you know, the best possible care they deserve and our seniors help. So I, I'm glad I'm, I'm at least that's my driving forces versus other folks that have probably a tougher, you know, yes. perspective to process. Like a superintendent. I, yeah. I could parallel it. But it's not something I might want to, you know, fill his or her shoes doing. Because that's a tough call. Yeah. And, and now, even though bars are back to being closed, movie theaters are at 50% and, you know, showing movies from two years ago. Um, but restaurants are open. How about all the people that have to get back behind the counter in the kitchen saying, can I help you? That was a big part of my life when I was younger. These people have to go to work. I respect that. We got a little more than 30 seconds left. As always, such a pleasure to have you. We are going to have the better half on one day. I keep threatening that, but you don't let her come on. Um, and I shouldn't say that. But I, I want to have um, the better half on, and I want to do a show soon with a couple of your caretakers. I really do, to, to get their perspective. Let me, let me know, and I'll make it happen. Uh, one more with 10 seconds left. Your friend that is high up, um, with the reading initiative, I would love to have him on the show if you think he'd enjoy that. Three seconds Absolutely. left. I have wonderful guests in the next two weeks. Thank you so much, Colin. Thank you.